Life is just a bowl of cherries. Don't be so serious. Life's too mysterious. This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. When you go, go, go. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. That's producer Carl. He's pushing those buttons on the board and doing the things to make the show function. We, of course, are starting substantially early, and I'm pretty stoked about that. Ordinarily, it seems these sports ball games edge out my time on the radio, but this time the tables have turned, giving me an opportunity to start early, cover a few more topics I otherwise might not have gotten to in the rundown and spend time with you lovely ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're having a wonderful evening. We've got a jam-packed show on the way, including the ever-evolving Biden classified document scandal. I know you thought it was over, but it grows in scope crazy uh, how, uh, you know, the manipulative nature of the media is once again taking center focus in their selective coverage. Uh, so we'll dive into that. Comments by former director of the CV- CDC uh, saying that there is no benefit at all to uh, gain of function research, and it is most likely responsible for one of the greatest pandemics in the world, uh, certainly of the 21st century. Uh, At the beginning of the show in hour one, we're going to get into the jobs report, uh, some more train derailment stuff. This has been building for a number of years, and I think that there are some who have seen this coming down the pike. We'll get into all that. Stay tuned. I think you're going to enjoy the show. Um, So beginning, of course, like I said, with the uh, continuing to evolve Biden classified document scandal. And isn't that funny how we saw wall to wall coverage on the Mar-a-Lago documents? We saw pictures of documents scattered all over the floor and classified folders. Oh, my goodness. Scandalous stuff. Well, what would have looked like if the media took a picture of nine boxes full of potentially classified materials? Yes, that's right. Nine boxes have now been revealed of sensitive documents. They've been ta- they'd been taken all the way back in November from the president's attorney. Um, the number of containers weren't previously disclosed by the National Archives. Again, in juxtaposition to what we saw from the Mar-a-Lago and the Trump classified documents, wall-to-wall coverage, that selective focus of the media coming into center stage, and it's gross. Uh, the archives, <coughs> not previously uh, disclosing the number of boxes that it had taken, from Boston. It had been reported that uh, Attorney Moore had shipped boxes of documents from the Penn Biden Center to his Boston office before discovering the initial trove of de- uh, classified documents in the Washington, D.C.-based think tank, tank uh, late last year. Despite having possession of the documents since November, the archives have not yet reviewed the boxes contained uh, to determine whether or not additional classified materials are contained therein. So, you know, blase. Of course, full steam ahead for the Trump classified documents, but we're taking our time with Biden, showing you the uh, corrupt nature of the media and also of, uh, in this case, the Justice Department, which is ridiculous. I mean, when you're weaponizing the Justice Department, you are eroding the faith that Americans have in their institutions, and perhaps rightfully so, especially with the great manipulation we saw regarding the pandemic over the last three 
years and now more information coming to light with Republican hearings, including testimony from the former head of the CDC, Dr. Red Redfield, who reaffirms his conclusion that gain of function research offers little benefit, is perhaps responsible for the greatest uh, pandemic that we've seen in this century, and uh, that there should be a moratorium on that kind of activity. Here's what he said in the hearings this week. So in your expert opinion, was the Wuhan Institute conducting gain-of-function research on Absolutely. coronaviruses? Thank you. So one, one other path of questioning for you, Dr. Ritfield. Proponents of this research claim it may result in vaccines or maybe even stop a pandemic. Dr. Redfield, has gain-of-function created any life-saving vaccines or therapeutics to your knowledge? Not to my knowledge. Has gain-of-function stopped a pandemic, to, in your opinion? No, on the contrary, I think it probably caused the greatest pandemic our world has seen. Do you find any tangible benefits uh, to gain-of-function research at this time? I personally don't, but I do want to stress, I think the men and women that support it are people of good faith because they truly believe it's going to lead to a potential benefit. I disagree with that assessment. How magnanimous of the former director to not undermine his colleagues in the field, a privilege that many such as himself were not granted during the hysteria surrounding the pandemic when differing views were all but ostracized in the so-called expert community. And you were pilloried, you were lambasted, you were mocked if you questioned the veracity of the information that was being uh, put forth at the time. And it turns out you rightfully did. Uh, people were laughed out of the room who suggested that the source of the pandemic was a lab leak. That turns out to be true. You were mocked if you questioned the uh, legitimacy of widespread mask usage. Uh, and that turns out to not have made a significant difference in the pandemic. So many things, of course, have come to light over the last three years that were suppressed all to help orchestrate the results that the media sought in an election year, which is absolutely spine-tingling, hair-raising stuff. And it ties into the story we began this segment with about the nine additional boxes that have now come to light, uh, secured from Biden's lawyer, that the National Archives, in the month since they were secured, hasn't even bothered to go through um, to, to see if there were any classified documents contained therein when full steam ahead and all the focus and attention in the world was shown to President Trump and the Mar-a-Lago document saga. It's it's just ridiculous. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. Thanks for listening. Catch my podcast uploaded to SaturdayNightOnTheCircle.Fireside.FM, WIBC.com. We're also streaming live on the YouTube, so look up WIBC. Join the show in progress, and you can also make comments and share in the conversation. We may even get to it on the air. I encourage you to join in. Before we cut to break, I also wanted to play this clip of Carrie Lake, exchange, an exchange uh, on Newsmax with Eric Bowling regarding uh, Donald Trump's run for, uh, a potential run for, well, no, he, he, he announced he is, he is running for uh, president in 2024 and saying that Ron DeSantis should essentially step to the side. I'll play the clip, see what you think. What are your thoughts of on the two of them, Trump and or DeSantis? Do you want to weigh in, weigh in on that? 
Sure. I mean, you know where I stand. I, I am a, a, not only a friend of President Trump's, but as an American, as a mom, I loved him as president. And boy, do we need him back in the White House ASAP right away. Uh, I think Ron DeSantis has been an effective governor. There's no doubt about that. And the people of Florida just reelected him. I'm assuming when they reelected him, they were hoping he'd stay around for a while. So, I mean, he's I guess he's in his 40s. He's about 10 years younger than me. He's got a long political future ahead of him. And I think he should respect that the people just voted him in as governor and serve out that term for the people of of Florida. And then he could obviously run for president. But this is President Trump's turn. He may well have a long political career ahead of him. But the one important thing he has right now is the momentum of the political zeitgeist and the broad name recognition and awareness of of what he's been doing as his governor, standing in opposition to the the encroachment upon freedom that we've seen displayed over the last three years. He is a singular voice of opposition standing against the madness. And as far as whether it's Trump's, tur- Trump's turn, excuse me, he's already got his turn. He was elected president in 2016 and he had his shot in 2020. He also had an extended shot where he battled the legitimacy to no avail of the election, being thrown out of court, rightfully so, for his his comical assertions and many mistakes from his legal team that have since uh, uh, been called out, including by former supporters like Ann Coulter. We'll be getting to that later in the show. So his turn, his turn has come and gone. I voted for him in 2020, but not again. There are, especially when we have much better options on the table, individuals with less baggage who are able to articulate a cleaner message of liberty that can energize the Republican Party and get us back on focus, like the message of limited government, individual liberty, low taxes. This is the stuff that the Republican Republican Party used to represent and could again with candidates like Ron DeSantis at the helm, potentially. It's going to be a fascinating uh, nomination process during the primaries. So buckle up, stay tuned, and keep your dials locked to 93 WIBC, where we will be covering every moment. Stay tuned to Saturday Night on The Circle. Philosophers and plowmen Each must know his part To sow a new mentality You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC Welcome back to a bonus segment of Saturday Night on the Circle. Your regularly, regularly scheduled programming will commence shortly, but we got a little bit of bonus time to burn, so I thought I'd share the racist rants from a Democrat legislator in Minnesota. Of course, Republicans labeled every ist under the sun, which is why it's comically noteworthy when you see the most abject of racism coming out of the party which claims itself to be wrapped in purity. Uh, Again, you're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. That's producer Carl on the board. And we turn to Minnesota Democrat State Representative Heather Keeler, who allegedly posted to her personal Facebook page, quote, I'm I'll read this uh, in in what I believe to her her be her voice. I'm sick of white Christians adopting our babies and rejoicing. It's a really sad day when that happens. It means the genocide continues. If you care about our babies, advocate against the genocide. Help the actual issues impacting indigenous parents. Stop stealing.
murdering our babies and changing their names under the impression that you are helping. White saviors are the worst. This is a Native American uh, uh, who's registered with a tribe there in the state of Minnesota bemoaning the fact that individuals in an overburdened and underfunded adoption system are being given loving homes. This is a pretty gross and interesting take. Um, the Republican Party of, uh, of Minnesota, of course, quickly responded, denouncing the comments, calling it a racist rant and said on their Twitter page that attacks on Minnesotans race or religion have no place in our discourse. We content, uh, condemn Representative Keeler's hateful and extremist rhetoric. And I want I wonder if you polled the representative, especially since she's talking about infant genocide, where she stands on the issue of abortion. Here all night, folks. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. I feel like this issue also butts up pretty well with Colin Kaepernick um, this week calling out his parents on CBS Morning News. I guess he made a whole graphic novel about what racist SOBs his adoptive white parents were because they wouldn't let him get cornrows here's the uh, here's the lowdown oops it's his true high school coming of age story his journey embracing his blackness despite resistance from many including his white adoptive parents i know my parents love me but there were still very problematic things that I went through. I think it was important to show that, no, this can happen in your own home and how we move forward collectively while addressing the racism that is being perpetuated. He took cues from his icon, basketball star Allen Iverson, who he said wore his blackness like a suit of armor. And teenage Kaepernick wanted cornrows to match. He's getting what roles, his mom asked? Oh, your hair's not professional. Oh, you look like a little thug. Your mom become. said that to you. Yeah. And those become spaces where it's like, okay, how do I navigate this situation now? But it also is informed why I have my hair long today. News flash, a-hole. My mom called me a little hooligan, too, because my hair was too long, and I'm white, and so was she. Actually, I was raised in a religious cult where, get this, Carl, if you had your sideburns too long, you'd get in trouble. That, I mean, like him, yeah, that's why I have long hair today and facial hair. You had to cut it off like I was a rebel because I had my sideburns to the end of my earlobe like whoa there brother Hatcher we're really we're really pushing the line so I mean the idea that this is rooted in racism and not boomerism is hysterical to me but whatever you know I, I'm I'm gonna let Colin tell his story uh the way that he he intends uh and maybe maybe his parents are racist SOBs that's I guess that's uh, his story to tell you're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. More content to come in the next hour. But before we go, I wanted the opportunity to promote a side project we got going on. Carl, tell us about this little uh, Under the Hat broadcast that we've been collaborating on for your own radio station. Uh, well, we're we're collaborating. It's uh, currently on the air. Not now, but it's on, Sundays. on, on Sundays at 5 p.m., uh, you can find it on Showbiz Broadcasting at uh, Carl Radio. K-A-R-L. And if you like old music and enjoy it as much as I do, I mean, really, it's an eclectic collection of sound. But here's some of the songs you might be hearing if you tune in to Carl Radio on a Sunday night. 
When this old world starts getting me down And people are just too much for me to face I climb way up to the top of the stairs And all my cares just drift right into Saturday night on The Circle. And if you want to hear more oldies like this, tune in to Carl Radio every Sunday from 5 to 6, where you can hear my show, Under the Hat. And coming up next on WIBC, more Saturday night on The Circle. Coming up. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the official start time of Saturday Night on the Circle. Of course, I got to begin early because for a change, the sports get ball didn't preempt me. It gave me extra time to spend with you fine, ladies and gentlemen. So if you missed a moment, you can catch the podcast uploaded to Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm, WIBC.com, or you can check us out on the YouTube feed, or Carl reminded me also on on Twitter, streaming live. Join the chat in progress. I see we've already got Kojak joining us in the chat. Thank you for bit listening. I appreciate the support. This is Saturday Night on The Circle. So much to cover, and of course, including more train derailments. Uh, your financial misery is apparently uh, to the benefit of the central bank at the Fed. Um, bizarre claims from Joe Biden. Just lots of fun stuff to get into. Oh, yeah, and the, the train derailments. We saw those coming. 
this was predicted um, in many ways and has been warned about uh, for a few years now. So we'll be covering all that. Stay tuned. Uh, beginning with the jobs report sending mixed signals to the Fed, who apparently con- uh, intends to continue their rate hike in an attempt to cool the economy, but inflation still not fl- uh, uh, slowing. Federal Reserve officials received complicated signals from the federal uh, February employment report, which showed that job growth retained substantial momentum nearly a year into the central bank's campaign to slow the economy and cool rapid inflation, included details uh, hinting that the softening uh, the Fed has been trying to achieve may be coming. Policymakers have raised interest rates from near zero to about 4.5% in over a year. The figures painted a complicated picture where employers added 311,000 workers last month, which was more than the 225,000 expected, and signs that the pace of hiring has cooled little, if at all, over the past year. At the same time, wage growth has moderated, continuing to be slower than inflation. In fact, its slowest monthly pace since February of 2022, unemployment rate ticking up slightly. The neighbor, uh, labor market, inflation, and consumer spending all showed unexpected signs of growth, which made policymakers question whether they need to raise interest rates by more, in a, again, in an attempt to stymie uh, the, the runaway economy, which has been fueled by uh, uh, the, the incredible amounts of spending, uh, Uh, and uh, the endless printing of money that the Fed uh, engaged in during the pandemic. Of course, uh, the Biden administration scrambling to explain those uh, slow uh, the slow wage growth, which isn't keeping up pace with inflation. This is spokesperson Celia Rouse, uh, who admitted that wages are lower than expected. So I'm going to ask about the other thing today, the jobs report, uh, if I could. (laughs) Um, So the average hourly wages in the jobs report is up 4.6 percent. The CPI inflation is 6.4%, that it's, inflation has been outpacing wages for about a year and a half. When can Americans expect that to reverse relief from that? So um, we did see that on an annual basis, we saw uh, some wage, uh, the nominal wages went up slower than what we expect. I see nothing. I know nothing. usual clown show from the administration unable to explain that slower than expected wage growth uh, and if you can't explain it then simply deny in uh, the the land of Joe Biden he doesn't see a problem here according to him inflation is down wages are up gas prices are down I mean in a truly bizarre claim that's counterfactual to reality but that's what you expect from a dementia addled executive and while we still have more to do and there may be setbacks along the way Inflation is now down 30% from what it was this summer. Gas prices are down more than $1.50 since their peak. At the same time, take-home pay for workers has gone up. No, it hasn't. I mean, even his own economic advisor admitting that wage growth is slower, but in Biden's world, oh, no, wages are up. You see, inflation is down. Let's go over some facts. When Biden took office, real wages were positive. Inflation was at 1.4%, and gas and coal were only 2.39 a gallon. Today, real wages are negative. Inflation is at 6.4%, a 5% increase, and gas costs are 3.47 a, a gallon. So to to put it mildly, the economy's in shambles. Let me just go grab my cash from my money tree. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know a leprechaun who has a pot of gold. Yeah. He's, he yeah. lives at the end of my street. Maybe I'll go to a bank and say, hello, do I have an account here? Call Donald Trump. How do 
three men in their 30s not have $800 between them? They're... The economy is in shambles right now. The marketplace right now? You're listening to 93 WIBC Saturday night on The Circle. Another issue, of course, that has consumed the nation in the nearly month and month and a week, month and, month and a half almost, uh, since the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, is when will the president visit? We've, we're now out more than a week since he said a visit was imminent sometime in the future, but still no movement to that effect. I've spoken with every official in Ohio, Democrat and Republican, on a continuous basis, as in Pennsylvania. I laid out a little bit in there what I think the answers are. We put it together, and we will be implementing an awful lot into the legislation here, and I will be on the At some point. We still don't know what the point is, and neither does Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre, but he's promising a visit. Uh, the situation with America's infrastructure continues to grow more dire, as even since then, more train derailments have happened. Uh, there was one in West Virginia where CSX says one of its empty coal trains derailed on Wednesday after striking a rock slide, causing a fire and spillage of an unknown quantity of diesel fuel and oil from its locomotives. The incident happened before 5 a.m. in what state officials described as a somewhat remote area south of Sandstone inside the New River National Park and Preserve. Derailment injured three crew members and caused parts of the train to catch fire, which sent at least one locomotive and one fuel tank into the New River, according to the West Virginia Emergency Management Division, uh, which said it in a statement. They've also alerted uh, other health agencies and officials downstream of the spill for potential contamination in their area. Area. CSX said the crew members are being treated for non-life-threatening injuries, which is fortunate, but we've seen this coming for a long time. It's been developing for years now and is the result of systemic negligence, which has been well-documented. Over a year ago, Vice News did a special on the state of decay in America's rail system predicting eminent disaster in a clip that has aged like fine wine. It's been almost almost eight years since a train carrying two million gallons of liquid petroleum crashed in a town in Quebec. 40 buildings were destroyed, millions of gallons of oil spilled into a nearby river, and 47 people died. The causes, according to the country's Transportation Safety Board, cost-cutting measures. The same cost-cutting measures that are now being seen across the U.S. freight network, which makes it especially troubling that freight trains in the U.S. are crashing. A lot. In 2019, 341 freight train derailments were reported. And this year, local news reports across the country are showing that it's a trend, one that's only getting worse. And you don't have to dig too deep into freight train YouTube, which, yes, is a thing, to learn that people in the industry are worried where this trend is leading. It's only a matter of time before fatigued workers unrealistic inspection policies and unqualified inspections result in a major incident in someone's neighborhood. This is a series of uh, negligent behavior from companies across the nation. Carl, you might remember the wildfires in California that were caused by the electrical uh, uh, company. Those support 
pylons were 90 years old. The fractures in the chains which held them up uh, were the result of being filed down over years of wear. And uh, and so these businesses have a negative incentive to not perform the required maintenance until disaster strikes. And circling back to the Vice News special on this issue, they also pointed again a year ago talking about Norfolk's decision to cut inspection times. Like, this is chilling. It used to take about three minutes to inspect a car. But about five years ago, Norfolk Southern, one of the biggest freight companies in the U.S., said inspections need to be done in two and a half minutes or less. Many workers told me that was pretty reasonable. But in the past two years, management dropped that to two minutes per car. Then 1.8. Then 1.5. Now it's 1.4. That's one minute, 24 seconds to look at dozens of inspection points on a car that can be up to 100 feet in length. The consequences of these policies can be pretty dire. In 2018, two Union Pacific trains collided in Wyoming. One was unable to stop and was speeding down a hill at 50 miles per hour. An NTSB investigation found that six cars added at the previous stop were overdue for air brake testing, some by just a few weeks, others by almost 24 months. Two crewmen ultimately died. The same report found that although uh, inspections are supposed to be conducted every 3,500 miles, according to federal regulations, workers in the rail industry say it's much more common for inspections to be done every 35,000 miles or sometimes in excess of 90,000 miles of travel without an inspection. So, yes, the negligence we're seeing is systemic. It was forewarned. It was foretold. And now we are coming to a place where America's transportation transportation network is literally falling in on itself and brings me to a rare a rare moment that surprises the absolute hell out of me i agree with a conclusion reached by none other than our friend aoc yes the ill-begotten alexandria ocasio cortez it's been how long has it been since we've played any sound from her? It's been months, right? I mean, it's been it's at least since 2022 since uh, we've played any audio from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on the show. But a broken clock can, in fact, be right twice a day, this time drawing criticism to Republicans, although I will will kind of couch that saying that it's not entirely her, – her anger is not entirely correctly directed, but she does stumble upon a legitimate point in this meandering clip. I can't help but communicate that I find frustrating is that there are actual crises happening in this country. A couple weeks ago, there was a devastating, devastating derailment in in East Palestine, Ohio. And yesterday, I was just lucky enough to wrap up a hearing early, and I was going back to my office. It was not scheduled. It, It wrapped up early. And there were people from East Palestine at my door because they weren't getting a response in, in their own other levels of government. And so they were just roaming around, waiting for anybody to open their door to them to talk to them, any member of Congress to talk to them. And so we sat down, and they explained what's going on. And this committee needs to hold a hearing on what is on the derailment in East Palestine. This is not just a disaster site, it is a potential crime scene. So for once, 
In a rare and unusual instant of honesty, it appears that the Congresswoman is correct. There are more productive uses of government time than what is currently being displayed. And she needs to draw some of that outrage to the Biden administration, since we also covered that since the weeks that he announced his intent to visit, still no movement for a visit to the folks of East Palestine from the administration. But my goodness, the ineffectiveness of government is absolutely mind-boggling it, it, it's withering it's uh, unnecessary and, and yes there are far more productive things for the government to be focusing its attention on including the disintegrating transportation network headed up by one Pete Buttigieg from South Bend have you ever seen a more incompetent transportation secretary Let's get the ball rolling. Let's start fixing the network because we can't afford more derailments and toxic spills across the nation. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Stay tuned for more coming up next. This is Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIBC. The community of Lafayette and the campus of Purdue is in danger of losing a long-standing icon for more than half a century, threatened by the cultural divide and leftism sweeping through Generation Z. You're listening to 93 WIBC. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. This is Saturday Night on The Circle. You can catch our podcasts uploaded to saturdaynightonthecircle.fireside.fm, wibc.com. Join the show in progress on YouTube or also streamed on Twitter, as Carl reminded me. Um, Actually... (laughs) Totally, totally unrelated to the topic at hand, but wanted to point out, I, I noticed earlier in the day, somebody giving some hate mail to Tony Kitt. You know you've made it when you start getting the, uh, the hate mail, responding to his live Twitter stream. You have enough pathetic white men in your regular time slots without giving airtime to this crap stirring loser. They didn't say crap. They said the <laughs> S word that I can't say on the radio, but <laughs> and, and Tony responded uh, here, have some cope extra strength from copium oh my goodness you know you've made it when you get the hate mail so uh, feel free to direct your outrage to us on the twitter machine as well it will be taken with great stride and enjoyment uh but returning to the topic at hand of course vaughn's shop uh, has been a Purdue campus uh, favorite for the almost 55 years, more than half a century, a small bookstore which takes pride in their wide and affordable selection of that and jewelry, music, and other unique gifts from around the world. And I guess crystals, too, which people were uh, were commenting in the uh, Lafayette Facebook group about this article uh, saying they couldn't believe crystal people were responsible for all the thefts because you can't carry around that kind of bad juju if you believe in crystal energy. <laughs> Which is a fair point, but let's not forget the enormous hypocrisy of Generation Z, which I see posting all the time. If you can't afford to eat out to eat, or afford to tip, then don't eat out to eat. But they will go proceed to steal everything that isn't bolted down the damn shoplifters. And that's the problem here at Vaughn's Shops. Uh, owner John Vaughn Erdmanstorf made it clear that there's no official plans to close yet, but he and his daughter often talk about whether they should even continue because, quote, 
theft is up dramatically. We would be ahead financially if we were uh, if we closed the store and just rented it out. We take money from the apartments above and other businesses in the, uh, business in the building every month and put it into the store to keep the store going because we think it's an important part of the community. And it's sad to see small businesses have to shoulder the burden of this generation's wild propensity for reckless shoplifting. And it's not just small stores either. It's also large box stores, which eventually buckle under the pressure of relentless thievery. This is a story coming out of Portland, which is a hellhole that is uh, disintegrating before our very eyes. The Walmarts in central Portland are now closing in the metro area. The last two stores in the region shuttering their doors. Doors are closing at the only two Portland Walmarts, and hundreds of customers are left finding a new place to shop. Fox 12's Connor McCarthy spoke to some of those customers and joins us live now in southeast Portland to tell us how this will impact how many, many low-income Portlanders, rather. Well, Pete and Riel, this location, this Walmart location here on Southeast 82nd Avenue is one of two Portland locations that will be closing. The other is in North Portland on Hayden Meadows Drive. Now, I spoke to customers at both locations, and they say the closing of these Walmarts will have a huge impact on their neighborhoods. According to a Walmart spokesperson, they said the decision to close these stores was made after a careful review of their overall performance, largely attributing to a uh, financial decision, but shoppers in the story revealed that they obviously see that threat that the theft is up dramatically just like this uh, uh, store in uh, Purdue campus Vaughn's shops um, and it, it is having the most negative impact of course on the poorest members of the community which is you know somewhat ironic as they're then forced to turn with uh, two stores which have higher prices or drive longer distances uh, suffering under the weight of this thievery which is a, a sad state of affairs what might be the cause of that of course we remember the popular wave uh, of 2020 crying for the defunding of police well now Joe Biden is saying that it was MAGA Republicans responsible for the defund movement. Yeah, Carl's already laughing, as well he should. What a ridiculous statement coming from our executive. Here's the clip. MAGA Republicans are calling for defunding the police departments. <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't have to search long or hard. That's what she said um, to find clips of Democrats saying that defunding the police was a priority item during 2020. Of course, Project Veritas putting together an over nine minute selection of Democrats calling for the defunding of police. Contrary to Biden's narrative, here's just a small snippet of multiple Dems calling for the defund movement. Some issues that we ask police to do, like mental health issues or policing in schools and all the rest, that perhaps we can uh, shuffle some of that money around. Suck it up. Defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police. Mayor Eric Garcetti saying, take some of the money from policing, about $150 million. I applaud Eric Garcetti for doing what he's done. Funding isn't necessarily as aggressive as, as a lot of folks paint it. Paint it. You know, school budgets get cut almost every year. Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, but we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. <laughs> so yes to some defunding.
we have to reallocate resources. So yes. Would you echo calls from some Black Lives Matter activists to defund the police? Well, I think now is the time that we need to actually do that work. It is outdated. It is wrong-headed thinking to think that the only way you're going to get communities to be safe is to put more police officers on the street. Thefts are up. Prosecutions are down. The nation is crumbling under Democrat negligence. And unfortunately, we bear the burden of those poor decisions. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Stay tuned for more. Coming up next is the ever-popular Hat Tricks with Hatcher. Don't miss it. All the leaves are listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. This week you'll hear the Vice President return to tell you misbegotten tales from a misspent youth in a desperate attempt to manufacture some relevancy and, a, and failing utterly at the task. Stay tuned for those highlights, plus Michelle Obama comically revealing what a deeply political creature she is, operating less on reality and more on a manufactured sense of self-importance and spectacle. Finally, our current executive makes a Freudian slip, sending the crowd into a frenzy while he scrambled to save face. You'll hear all this and more for this week's edition of Hatricks with Hatcher. It's time for another one of Hatcher's Hat Tricks. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle, where I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, producer Carl. Beep, 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 pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. We begin this week with a story from a misbegotten youth, a vice president, Kamala Harris, who shared uh, something that she allegedly told her mother when she was but a girl. In fact, I'm going to share with you a very simple story, which is that I went home one day and I said, well, what's, why are conservatives bad, mommy? Because I thought we were supposed to conserve things. (laughs) I couldn't reconcile it. Now I can. As the kids on the internet say, I'll take things that didn't happen for $500, Alex, because what a ridiculous story. Oh, you know, here's young Kamala. Mommy, why are the conservatives bad? I thought the conservatives were supposed to conserve. But the joke that we all know as political adults is, of course, they don't do any such thing. (laughs) Ah, yes, Kamala Harris, vice president. Uh, Reminds me of another story from her youth she shared on the campaign trail to much criticism for its alleged plagiarism. My mother used to have a very funny story about I was fussing and, and, and she said, Kamala, what do you want? And I said, and this is how she would say it. And she said, Kamala, what do you want? And I said, freedom. No. Aw, <laughs> freedom, baby Kamala. Yes, bedtime stories with the vice president. Uh, an interesting collection of sound, to say the least. Of course, I also wanted to highlight um, uh, former First Lady Michelle Obama. She shared on her podcast this week the moments after Donald Trump's inauguration in which evidently she collapsed into a blubbering, sobbering, sobbing mess for more than a half an hour. After the inauguration, and we know whose inauguration we were at... <laughs> 
that day was so emotional on so many different reasons. We were leaving the home we had been in for eight years, the only home our kids really knew. Um, they remembered Chicago, but they had spent more time in the White House than anywhere. So we were saying goodbye to the staff and all the people who helped to raise them. There were tears. There was that emotion. But then to sit on that stage and watch the the opposite of what we represented on display. There was no diversity. There was no color on that stage. There was no reflection of the broader sense of America. And many people took pictures of me and they like, you weren't in a good mood. No, I was not. But you had to hold it together like you do for eight years. And then you walk through the Capitol, you wave goodbye, you get on Marine One, and you take your last flight off flying over the Capitol where there weren't that many people there. We saw it. Yeah, you like that producer Carl, how she gets in. It has to get in the dig about the crowd size because, of course, that's important. By the way... And then we went to Andrews Air Force Base, said goodbye to the military, got on Air Force One, and when those doors shut, I cried for 30 <laughs> minutes straight. Uncontrollable sobbing. Because that's how much we were holding it together for eight years. an overinflated sense of self-importance that, you know, she and her husband were single-handedly holding the nation together for those eight years. And I, well, look, lady, I guess the place didn't fall apart under Trump's presidency. I know, I know you were surprised, but imagine, imagine how deeply political you would have to be to react that way to the the election, the fair and free election of the president. Like, sorry, a lot of people were upset when your husband won office, but that's the way it goes. You win some, you lose some, and you try again next election cycle. That's the American political process. And she's collapsing into a, you know, a blubbering mess of sobbing tears. Like, oh my God, Trump won the presidency. And we all turned out to be just Fine. Actually, especially when compared against this administration, it was substantially more successful. Uh, to quote her husband's uh, 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 turn of phrase about uh, his former vice president, uh, never underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. And he, did and he did. Right. And he didn't say F. Uh, <laughs> he said he said the full thing. Um, uh, and, and in fact, he's been elected. And that's exactly what's happened. Uh, you're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Speaking of Joe, of course, he made a Freudian slip at an event this week regarding the potential for a return to office by Donald Trump. It's what you may remember. I was running for office at the time, but you all may remember it that the, I had a big fight with uh, the former president uh, and maybe future president. Bless me, Father. <laughs> Freudian slip there. Maybe future president. So they are still running scared of the shadow of this former president who's not even in office and who is under the weight of all these ridiculous, largely self-imposed scandals. And they're still running scared. 
they're still running scared, which gives you a peek into the old mindset there, the Democrat Party. Finally, before I close things off, wanted to also play Corrine Jean-Pierre standing strong for the administration, stonewalling uh, the tennis player from participating in the tournament of Miami. Governor Ron DeSantis uh, has now called on President Biden to allow uh, the tennis player Novak Djokovic to compete in the Miami Open despite him being unvaccinated for COVID-19. Do you guys have a response to that? So on a question of regarding the vaccination requirement, I refer you to the CDC. They're the ones who uh, who deal with that. It's still in place, uh, and we expect everyone to abide by our country's rule, whether as a participant or a spectator. And uh, as for what goes on specifically with the BNP uh, Open, those are those are questions for them. It is a private entity, and so we will uh, let them speak to that. But again, this is something that the CDC uh, speaks to. Endless hypocrisy and nonstop clown show of administration, which wholeheartedly welcomes the mass importation of illegal immigrants whose health status is completely unknown, but will keep a tennis player from participating in a match for not having a vaccine status for a vaccine that's been proven to not have any effect on the slowing or stopping of transmission. Ridiculous clown show that this administration is on full display every day. Unfortunately, it is a great boon to the quality of sound bites for Hat Tricks with Hatcher. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Stay tuned for more coming up next. We'll tell you a little bit about how the tables have turned regarding technology as Gen Z enters the workforce and finds themselves at the mercy of the elderly. We'll explain how coming up next. Stay tuned. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. He's a real nowhere man sitting in his nowhere land. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. This is pretty hilarious. A great shift has occurred as now Gen Z is entering the workforce and finding themselves at the mercy of boomers who are more familiar with the technology used than they are, yes, even on computers. It was a surprise report to me. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle, 93 WIBC. As they enter the workforce, certain types of technological know-how from navigating the depths of the Internet and using apps to editing uh, phones on their smartphones, they have that. But when it comes to using a scanner or printer, even the file system on a computer, things have become a lot more challenging to a generation that spent much of their lives online only. Well, well, well. How the turntables. <laughs> and now they find themselves at the mercy of their older co-workers who, you know, you used to expect would be the ones having to ask the Ute for their uh, expertise on how to run the computers. Not so. Individuals unfamiliar with how to navigate File Explorer, how to run the scanner, or even how to operate uh, the copy machine. 
Do you have a secretary? No. Does anybody there have a secretary? Yes. Have you ever heard a secretary use the term photocopy? No. Have you ever? Do you have machines there where I can put in a paper document, push a button or two, and out will come copies of that paper document also on paper? Do you have such a machine? Yes, sir. What do you call that machine? Xerox. So, yeah, I mean, and, and this was uh, something that was reported on The Guardian. Their 25-year-old uh, New Yorker intern admitted uh, that he was stumped by the photocopy machine at the office. Uh, he said that it kept coming out as a blank page, and it took him a couple times to realize I had to place the paper upside down for the machine to work. So, yeah, I'd say Generation Z is experiencing some very basic difficulties with how to uh, operate basic op uh, office machinery. And that's kind of a funny turn of events. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle, 93 WIBC. Another story I wanted to discuss, and I have a great resentment. Speaking about technological difficulties, I have a great resentment for machinery that tells me what to do. We're supposed to be the master of the machines. Every friggin' science fiction movie that's been published in the last 50 years, a lot of them have been about how technology can be turned against us, how, how runaway artificial intelligence can eclipse the humanity which set it into motion. So I resist stuff like cars which tell me when to buckle in. I'll decide when I buckle in. Damn it, I don't need to have a machine dinging me or reminding me to buckle up. Like, no, I'm in charge. Well, it gets even more insidious than uh, just a, a buckle-up reminder. Now, Ford's pat latest patent applications show a bizarre new way which cars could be used to re uh, be repossessed in the future if they uh, their owners don't make payments on time. Patent application was filed in August of 2021, but just coming to light, it shows that Ford is interested in building a system which would allow a car to lock out its driver or even repossess itself if the driver doesn't keep up with payments. This is right along lines with stuff like subscription services for cruise control or the heated seats built into your car. No, 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 no. We do not need to keep the car constantly connected to a, a network where we can be surveilled, where we can be hacked, where we can be tracked, where we can be tapped into. No, no, no. Ford says it's imagining the system as a solution to the issue of owners behind on payments being uncooperative and attempting to impede the repossession operation. Hire a tow truck. It's worked great. It's worked great in the repossession industry. Uh, in the patent application, Ford describes the use of repossession system computer, which would facilitate the process, which starts out with some minor annoyances that would cause, quote, discomfort to the vehicle owner. This is your computer taking over your damn car. Uh, if a driver ignores warnings about their missing payments, the process would begin with a computer disabling functionality of features like the cruise control. GPS 
or air conditioning and the radio. The computer would also prompt the car to start emitting an incessant and unpleasant sound whenever the driver is there. So I reiterate my point. I believe that we are intended to be the masters of machines, and I think that this attempt to network control cars uh, and be able to remotely disable features or functionality is potentially disaster in the making. It would allow hackers to take control of your vehicle. What if you're in the middle of operating it or some system error were to occur and then all of a sudden it's impeding your ability to operate the motor vehicle that you purchased? Like, no, no, no. A thousand times no. I'm against this. This is an abomination. We should retain control of our vehicles. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. More content to come. I hope you're enjoying the show. Stay tuned to the one and only 93 WIBC. Spread your tiny wings and fly away And take the snow back with you where it came from on that day You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIPC And if I could, you know that I would fly away with Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is Saturday Night on the Circle. Podcasts are uploaded to SaturdayNightOnTheCircle.Fireside.FM, WIBC.com, and join the show in progress. Chat with your fellow listeners on YouTube, and also you can stream on Twitter as well. Respond, reply, join in the conversation. Your support means everything. This is 93 WIBC. We begin with fascinating revelations this this week regarding Tucker Carlson's true feelings over the past administration coming out in the Dominion uh, defamation lawsuit and depositions surrounding communication from the uh, Fox News host. Actually, it bumps up perfectly with an off-air conversation that uh, producer Carl and I were having as uh, Fox News advertised the Jason Chaffetz show uh, here on WIBC. Carl kind of made the offhand remark like, oh, you aren't getting any avant-garde news from Jason Chaffetz. What's the reason to listen and like i totally agree um fox news is uh is an organization like unfortunately basically every other major news organization that's functioning right now they cater to listeners they are a ratings driven entity unconcerned with the telling of truth and i i think that's kind of what we're seeing with these uh revelations of communication from tucker carlson in private text messages that were revealed in court papers Papers, virtually at the same time that former President Trump was singing his praises regarding his broadcast on January 6th this week. Uh, Trump said he was doing a great job in presenting the excerpts of the U.S. Capitol uh, security video on the infamous January 6th riot. Uh, voting ma- manufacturer, voting machine manufacturer Dominion Voting uh, Systems is suing Fox News for $1.6 billion, claiming that the network broadcast false claims that the company was responsible for fraud in the 2020 presidential election. What's really fascinating about this is the common theme among internal documents and depositions is that Fox executive and hosts doubted the election claims being peddled by Trump and his allies, but aired and emphasized them anyway. They were uh, gr- There was a growing concern amongst the hosts uh, about the decline in viewership uh, as Trump supporters turned away after the network correctly predicted that Joe Biden would be the presidential winner in Arizona on election night. Uh, 
addressing Trump's four years as president, according to these depositions, Carlson Carlson said, we're all pretending we've got a uh, got a lot to show for it because admitting what a disaster it's been is too tough to digest. But come on, there really isn't an upside to Trump, man. I've got my own criticisms with the Trump administration, but even I wouldn't be that harsh. There were definitely accomplishments made during the Trump administration, including but not limited to moving the uh, embassy of uh, Israel to Jerusalem, the uh, U.S. embassy, uh, moving it to Jerusalem, among a number of other accomplishments. The Trump's tax tax cuts, the uh, strengthening of the economy, the uh, deregulation, the uh, there were many accomplishments that you could point to in the Trump administration. So. I feel like that's overly critical, but in response, Fox is claiming this didn't even happen. So on the one hand, you got Dominion voting, and they are using as their evidence communication taken from the hosts of Fox News pretty reasonable position and fox for its uh, on on its hand saying that quote dominion has been caught red-handed using more distortions and misinformation in their pr campaign to smear fox news and trample on free speech and freedom of the press we already know they will say and do anything to try and win the case but to twist and even misattribute quotes to the highest levels of our company is truly beyond the pale well, you know, individuals who seem to believe the veracity of these quotes include former co-workers of Fox News like Eric Bowling, who addressed the claims uh, with great concern about uh, Tucker Carlson. This whole this whole revelations of, of the emails that, that Tucker Carlson at Fox was texting to or emailing to or texting some of his producers and whatnot. And and one of them is really disturbing to me. It's um, I hate him passionately that Tucker said about President Trump. I mean, how uh, how do you, I think people are giving Tucker a pass on this, but I just, I can't, I just can't get past this, Carrie. I can't understand how a guy who can portray himself as a huge Trump fan on television saying he, he hates him passionately is very, very much looking forward to a day he didn't have to cover Trump. Uh, being in the White House every day. That's an excellent point from the Newsmax host, noting that individuals are willing to give him a pass, and that kind of highlights the hyper-partisan political reality that we currently find ourselves in, where you can't even look at the mirror and acknowledge shortcomings in your own party or communicate honestly. Like, that's... That's, that's kind of shocking, and it's kind of disappointing. The quote that uh, specifically he was referring to was a text message sent by Carlson on January 4th, two days before the uh, January 6th riots, where he said, quote, I hate him passionately. What he's good at is destroying things. He's the undisputed world champion of that. He could easily destroy us if we play it wrong. Um, he then wrote, we are very, very close to being able to ignore Trump most nights and I truly can't wait. So, of course, we now know, um, excuse me, um, uh, Carlson has been saying these things behind the scenes, but then this week he played uh, selectively edited clips of the riots on January 6th, essentially gaslighting the audience into believing that it's not a big deal. Uh, this is a really bizarre position for me uh, because whenever I ask myself how we should respond to the riots on January 6th, I imagine if it had been Democrats doing it, and it's not difficult to imagine because I remember how I responded to the uh, Black Lives Matter riots in the summer of 
of love of 2020 when Democrats did billions of dollars of damage across America and were correctly called out by conservative commentators for that kind of deleterious behavior. Um, but 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 when it comes to the January 6th riot, it seems like we've got the partisan blinders up. Bill Mayer um, correctly kind of satirized the display from uh, Tucker Carlson showing their clips of uh, uh, the January 6th riots juxtaposed to his commentary and eliciting roarious laughter from the audience. This is what Tucker said, and he showed his footage from January 6th. <laughs> I'm going to read his words under the footage we chose from January 6th. <laughs> it is the, it, I, I want to stress to you, both those footages are real. And these are exactly the words he said. He said, we're going to begin tonight with footage that shows you exactly what was happening inside the Capitol. The footage does not show an insurrection or a riot in progress. Instead, it shows police escorting protesters through the building. They were peaceful. They were orderly and meek. These were not insurrectionists. They were sightseers. Protesters queue up in neat little lines. They give each other tours outside the speaker's office. They take cheerful selfies and they smile. They're not destroying the Capitol. They obviously revere the Capitol. Okay, so everyone is... Uh, it's indisputable. There's footage of people breaking in the windows. There's footage of people shoving police officers, throwing smoke canisters, using mace, pushing past barricades, the touring of the Capitol building itself. In order to get there, you had to push past several different barricades and also throngs of screaming individuals use your common sense that this is not a peaceable tour of the capitol building it was a shameful display and i don't think it's it should be hard for republicans to recognize or acknowledge and then move past because certainly there are more uh, important things for us to focus our time on um but tucker carlson acting just essentially as a ratings shill for the network pandering to the base's desire rather than being a teller of truth and then having these comments to say behind closed doors. So, you know, make of that what you will. Other individuals noting the hypocrisy, including former Trump aficionado Ann Coulter, who mocked uh, Trump attorney uh, Jenna Ellis, saying her recent admissions are a prime example of how the ex-president pushes lies his supporters willingly buy into. Ellis, who was a lawyer that represented Trump after his loss in 2020, admitted in a sworn statement released Wednesday that she had knowingly missed represented the facts and several of her public claims that were uh, widespread voting fraud led to Trump's defeat. On Thursday, Coulter tweeted uh, by saying, do the Trump diehards enjoy being lied to? To which Ellis responded, the politically motivated left failed miserably in their attempt to destroy me. They're now trying to falsely discredit me by saying I admitted that I lied. That is false. I would never lie. Lying requires intentionally making a false statement, and I never did. To which uh, Coulter retorted item for the resume jenna ellis denies lying about election fraud which she notes requires intentionally making a false statement so not a criminal just a bimbo
And that was Coulter's words, not mine, her appraisal of the situation. Um, uh, it it kind of ties into something that we we played a clip earlier of Carrie Lake uh, in the bonus content to the show, which, by the way, you can catch the show uploaded to uh, WIBC.com, saying that it was Trump's turn to return to office for, um, uh, for the 2024 election cycle. And I think there's more than substantial reason for us to move past to certainly more qualified and better options like Ron DeSantis. Santos, uh, not for the least of which, including Trump's uh, desire to put the Constitution on hold, um, tweeting out in uh, December of last year. So with a revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception and working closely with big tech companies, the DNC and Democrat Party, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner or do you have a new election? A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules regulations and articles even those found in the constitution our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections so i think with that the president has disqualified him the former president has disqualified himself from office because the most sacred duty of the executive is to uphold the laws of our nation as outlined in the constitution and trump has shown a willingness to disregard that because of his own personal biases which disqualifies him in my estimation of returning to the office you're listening to saturday night on the circle more content to come including the dazzling and darling Casey Daniels who joins us next to circle back to a topic I discussed on last week's show about the Hershey campaign and then of course how that ties in with uh, amazing rant that she had on uh, Kendall and Casey's show this week regarding uh, Jill Biden's awarding of biological male the Women of Courage Award yeah we'll be diving into all that so stay tuned coming up next to the one and only Saturday night on the circle Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle, where my podcasts are uploaded to SaturdayNightOnTheCircle.Fireside.FM and WIBC.com. I'm your host, the bespectacled curmudgeon Ethan Hatcher, and truly, we live in a world of unabated insanity done flip-turned upside down as the precious position once occupied by biological women has now been encroached by men and the leftists who elevate them. Here to help us untangle the latest dystopian drivel is the dazzling and dreamy Casey Daniels, who joins us on on the show. You are such a wordsmith, Ethan. I just love it. I appreciate that, Casey. And you had some very spicy opinions on the Kendall and Casey show mm-hmm. this week. It yeah. ties in with something that I had intended to circle back to. I covered on the show last weekend, which is the Hershey campaign. Hershey's mm-hmm. actually beat Jill Biden to the punch, mm-hmm. announcing ahead of International Women's Day this campaign and choosing Faye Johnstone, who is a transgendered woman, to be 
be their voice. I thought the slogan in particular was interesting, so I wanted to play their commercial and also spliced in with a little uh, uh, comedian, uh, Bo Burnham, from his Netflix comedy special. I think you'll hear why. Here's the clip. My name is Faye Johnstone. I'm the executive director of Wisdom to Action. We can create a world where everyone is able to live in public space as their honest and authentic selves. See the woman changing how we see the future at Hershey's Canada. You've got a choice as a brand. You can hide and bury your head in the sand and hope it fixes itself, or you can roll up your sleeves and get to work and sell Butterfingers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the point. That's what all this woke corporate virtue signaling is. Mm-hmm. They'll drop it in an instant, but right now it gets them clicks, it gets them eyes, and it's all to move chocolate mm-hmm. at your expense. But let's drill down on what, what Faye Johnstone said in and that slogan there, yeah. the women changing how we see the future. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not a woman. There we go. That's a little galling. It's galling to me. And, yeah. and I think you know, you're on the same wavelength there. My point is that we've now ventured so far mm-hmm. into the progressive realm. We've now weirdly circled back mm-hmm. to the patriarchy of yeah. men telling women what to think and how to feel. Yeah. It's very What's mis- this all about? It's very misogynistic, isn't it? Yes. Okay. But it's Jill Biden being completely disgraceful. To all women, Mm -hmm. I don't care what side of the aisle you lean on. If you're a woman and you think it's okay that the first lady declares that a man wearing a dress is deserving of the International Woman of Courage Award... That's where we disagree. That's another interesting point, and and I wonder if you you feel this way too. Is is it incredibly reductive to define women in fem- femininity as taking some hormones, making surgical alterations, mm-hmm. and putting on a dress and makeup? Is that is that what a woman is? No, as a woman, I no. mean, can, can you define what a woman is? I know Katanji Brown Jackson, not a biologist, but I think we're capable of it here on Saturday Night on the Circle. We oh, can get yeah, it done. I, I can define it biologically. That would be one way. A woman has mammary glands, a uterus, fallopian tubes, ovaries, the ability to bear children, to get pregnant and give life. Sure. Now, that's one way of defining a woman. And I don't hear makeup and a dress included anywhere they're in. Like, that's. No, that's a costume. That's is what that is. I mean, if I put on overalls and work boots and a hard hat <laughs> with a hammer on my side, does that make me a man? And start driving around a Ford F 150. Right. right. Uh, no. Uh, that's just putting on clothing. That's not what you are internally. And, of course, you mentioned this on the Kendall and Casey show, the dystopian display by First Lady Jill Biden Mm -hmm. on International Women's Mm -hmm. Day presenting this Women of Courage Award, as Mm -hmm. announced by the State Department. And Go ahead. I was just going to say, the most upsetting part of that to me was that this wasn't just even our country. This is the entire world. So, you're saying that the only woman that Jill Biden could find who is courageous in the entire world is a dude in a dress. And That's a real slap in the face to every woman. Every woman. 
And this was the moment that happened on Wednesday when she presented the award. We have the clip. In Argentina, Alba Ruada is a transgender woman who was kicked out of classrooms, mm. barred for sitting for exams, mm. refused job opportunities, subjected to violence, and rejected by her family. Mm. But in the face of these challenges, mm. she worked to end violence and discrimination against the LGBTQI plus community in Argentina. Now, it is true that in other countries around the world, the LGBT community faces oppression worse than they would ever imagine experiencing here in the United States. And it's great in that sense that uh, this individual is helping stop oppression. Like, we shouldn't celebrate oppression in, in any sense. But when you're handing them an award mm-hmm. on International Women's Day, you're exchanging the mm-hmm. spot of another woman, just like all these uh, transgender athletes uh, in the universities. When you give them scholarships, mm-hmm. that's taking it away from a bi- biological woman who otherwise would have received mm-hmm. this aid and it's it's insulting it's very insulting and misogynistic which is something very, you, you mentioned earlier yep, in the, uh, very, the segment. Mis- very misogynistic and it's uh it's disrespectful it's disgraceful and the fact that the administration is standing behind this it's identity politics mm-hmm. and we're talking about one percent of the population and tossing away the rest and I think we've, we're starting to see some pushback. We're starting to see the breaking point. This display by uh, Jill Biden was roundly mocked on Twitter. Uh, as mo- it should be. As it should be. Most recently, uh, there was a line in the sand drawn by Twitter uh, liberals against uh, Hogwarts legacy because of the views of J.K. Rowling. They mm-hmm. wanted to institute a boycott, which has failed spectacularly, selling more than 12 million copies since its launch. One of the biggest launches across Europe ever outselling FIFA on opening day, like mm-hmm. FIFA games being huge, of course, in Europe. So I think people are starting to speak with their dollars. Mm-hmm. They're starting to push back against this woke nonsense. And mm-hmm. I do think that it has an expiration point. Let's hope so, because it's gotten completely out of hand. And it makes me wonder and sad for the future of women. We've worked so hard to get equal pay and to have equal rights as men. And to say that the most courageous woman in the world is a dude is it's beyond the, it's beyond the pale it is beyond the pale and it's just not something that i think should be celebrated it makes me worry about the future of my daughter if this is the the road we're going down what is going to be left for her and you know uh my my co-host rob kendall has a baby due on the way that is a girl in 18 years what does it look like if we keep rejecting what a true woman is. I mean, women and their ability to give birth and bring life into the world, it is one of the most precious gifts that we have. And why are we turning our back on that? I mean, hey, good luck to you repopulating the world, (laughs) Ethan. Because without a real woman, it's not going to happen. No, we can't do it on our own, for sure. Right, right. And you can't replace it with some shallow surgical alteration. I'm sorry. Like At best, that's cosplaying. And some people find that insulting, but it's absolutely true. And there has to be a line in the uh, Mm -hmm. sand drawn. Because like you said, Rob Kendall's daughter, your Mm -hmm. daughter, Mm -hmm. other women like J.K. Rowling, Mm -hmm. who don't have the millions of dollars Mm -hmm. to push back the mob, risk having their voices and their lives replaced and diminished. Women should not be unappreciated and rejected and slighted and told they're no longer of value when they're not in their prime anymore. <laughs> like Don Lemon. Like oh Don Lemon. Goodness. Yes. I mean, it's ridiculous. And quite frankly, I've had enough of it. 
you when you've got when you've got men on women's sports teams and you have men winning the Miss Universe award and when you have men being recognized on International Women's Day as the most courageous woman in the world there there's a problem there there's a problem that needs to be addressed, and thankfully, it's starting to be recognized, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and I think uh, ever since my rant earlier this week... It's men, got a lot of traction. Uh, yeah, and, and not only from women, but from men as well, who are understanding that you know women should be admired. Because truth is universal. It yes. connects with both sexes. <laughs> I mean, come on. If you can't tell me what a woman is, you're not being honest with yourself. No. No, and that is pro- probably the greatest crime that is being fo- foisted by leftists right now, which mm-hmm. is the dishonesty that they are that they are trying to perpetrate. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, just supplanting women with men is an incredible insult and something absolutely a huge insult. Yes, it's like saying you contribute nothing. You cannot just cancel an entire gender. No. <laughs> and why, and, why, and you, why would you want why to? Why would you want to celebrate women? Just like for years, women have celebrated men. Yeah, and and that's that's the thing. For for a long time, women have held that. Like I, I began the segment with the precious position where their value was recognized, mm-hmm. and now it is being exchanged, being diminished. Yes, and that that is uh, it's unacceptable. Yeah. Completely agree. I'm glad that you brought this up on the show. I'm glad that it's getting some traction. Mm-hmm. I think that it's going that this message will continue to reverberate because it's so. just common sense. I hope so for the for the future of of everyone. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. We know what a woman is. Yeah, unlike Katanji Brown Jackson, <laughs> I, I can define it. I, I know what a woman is, and you know what? When I go get my mammogram, I certainly know what a woman is. And we don't need a chocolate company to tell us. Just when, make the, make when the chocolates. When I make my appointment with my OB, I definitely know what a woman is. No, uh, Jill Biden nor the Hershey Company will be able to successfully override the value or definition of a biological woman. Correct. That's fortunately the reality. No matter how mad that makes the Twitter leftists, mm-hmm. they they cannot alter that immutable. They fact. don't have that sort of power. Nope. And they need to hear from more people who are sick of it. And I'm done with it. So I hope more women will join the chorus and turn their back on that leftist ideology and just the craziness of all of it and value women for being women and acknowledge it. I think that's an important message. Thank you for sharing your thoughts, yeah. uh, Casey. I appreciate Thanks you coming on the show. for having me on the show, Ethan. This is Saturday Night on The Circle. Stay tuned for more on 93 WIBC. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Famed circus operator P.T. Barnum once wisely observed, there's a sucker born every minute. And if you're paying $6.25 for a bar of chocolate, then I think you fit the bill. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle, 93 WIBC, podcasts at WIBC.com, streaming at YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. Join the show in progress there. What am I talking about? 625 for a for a bar of chocolate? Well, 
As you're well aware, Hershey's announced the Hershey campaign um, rolling out on International Women's Day, uh, transgender activist, uh, changing the way women see the future, yada, yada, yada. Ridiculous, woke buffoonery from a corporation heavily engaged in corporate virtue signaling. Uh, apparently a phenomenon not limited to the left. Jeremy Boring, the Daily, founder, uh, Daily Wire co-founder, announced to Fox and Friends that after uh, Hershey's launched their Hershey campaign, the woke left helped him literally become an overnight success in the chocolate business. Here's uh, him sitting down with the hosts. All right, here's something for you. Two days after Hershey's debuted its International Women's Day ad campaign featuring a transgender woman, Daily Wire CEO Jeremy Boring launched his own brand of chocolate. Well, since Friday's launch, Jeremy's chocolate has sold more than 400,000 non-woke chocolate bars. Uh, Jeremy Boring joins us now. Jeremy, what prompted you to action? Well, our entire enterprise at the Daily Wire is about building alternatives uh, to all the institutions dominated by the woke left. So from be it kids entertainment, razors, now chocolates. We believe that corporate America is supposed to serve America. We've got a situation now in the country where the incentives for corporations have been misaligned. They, they live in a kind of fear of the woke left. And as a result, they take for granted that the rest of us will just keep giving their money to them because, well, we don't have any other choice. Uh, so we want to give people those choices. That's, that's really what it's all about. 400,000 bars of chocolate sold on the back of a protest against woke virtue signaling in corporate 400,000 bar all right all right on the Jeremy chocolate bars website you can procure for yourself four bars of this coveted chocolate for $25 plus tax and shipping uh coming out to a minimum of 625 per bar of chocolate i think they're selling a for a buck 20 at Walmart for a Hershey's chocolate. Look, I'm against the uh, transgender virtue signaling on, on their campaign. Sure. But I'm still probably at some point in the future going to buy a Hershey's cookies and cream bar. Sorry. It's just the reality of the situation. I'm not going to spend 25 bucks in a protest purchase for four bars of chocolate. You got to be kidding me. And, and like I said at the beginning of the segment, if you spend 625 for a bar of chocolate, you're one of those suckers born every minute. Here's the the, the, uh, the binary chocolate commercial. And you tell me if this is any better than leftist virtue signaling. International Women's Day is upon us again. And I love an international woman. But our friends over at Hershey's, they don't even know what a woman is. They've hired a biological male to be the spokesperson for their Women's Day campaign. And they're calling that campaign, and I swear I'm not making this up, her, she. Her, she. It's humiliating. And it's the reason that I'm launching Jeremy's Chocolate. We have two kinds. She, her, and he, him. One of them's got nuts. If you need me to tell you which one it is, keep giving your money to Hershey's. But if you're tired of giving your money to woke corporations that hate you, and you're looking for a delicious chocolate bar from a company that actually wants your business, head over to IHateHershey's.com and order Jeremy's chocolate today. <sighs> I'm tired, Carl. I'm just so tired. Which one has the nuts? Uh <laughs> <laughs> Sure, it, you know, it's good for a couple chuckles and low-hanging fruit. And yes, Hershey's is absolutely ridiculous. Drawing every ounce of ire against them is deserved. 
but this isn't substantially better than leftist virtue signaling. This is just right-wing virtue signaling. It's just a different set of virtues. I'm tired of my companies preaching to me all the time. I'm tired of politics being everywhere, every waking moment. It's not just news. It's not just opinion commentary like this very show you're listening to now. It's also pizza restaurants and shoe stores and chocolate and everything's got to have a political bent to it. And I'm just so tired of it. I'm just so tired. I miss the days where not every single thing had to be politicized and now all of a sudden your chocolate has a side. I'm sick of it, whether it's right-wing chocolate or left-wing chocolate. Just give me regular damn chocolate, not chocolate with your own personal bent to it, not chocolate with added politicization that ruins the flavor no matter which company is peddling it there i've said my piece you're listening to saturday night on the circle of course not the only thing going on in news right now also a phenomenon <laughs> announced by tiktok uh, user called marissa joe mays um launching the bare minimum mondays campaign which is uh, based on the notion that encouraging employees to exert as little effort as possible on the first day of the work week. These these millennials are hilarious when they're coming up with crap like this. It's called Mondays, people. Monday has always been the least productive day of any work week. I mean, they were making fun of it back in the 90s. You ever watch Office Space? Oh, you got a case of the Mondays there. Yeah, it, it, it it's... It's not a new phenomenon, but of course, what makes this extra spicy and hysterical is this TikTok user, Marissa Joe Mays, is self-employed. So of course she could take, take Monday off. She could do as little as she wants. She starts the day doing some housework and some chores and cleaning up and then later getting to beginning scheduling her office. Like if that's how she runs her personal schedule, great, more power to her. But the idea that you're going to encourage this as a corporate lifestyle, which even she acknowledges most people with a traditional office job don't have the luxury of delaying the time that they start or amount of effort that they can put in, like is, is not practical. Uh, certainly to be parading around the fact in your office job that you're doing as little work as possible on a Monday. Like, oh, these these millennials are hysterical. And in their in their campaign to avoid work, often end up working harder than they otherwise would have, including this would-be thief in Georgia attempting to steal catalytic converters, then crushed under the weight of the car he was stealing from. Uh, Mike Ar- 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 Abo Rahab, uh, owner of the South Bond Auto Sales in Savannah, said he made a grim discovery when he went into work on Tuesday the 7th, uh, telling WTOC, is it worth it to steal a catalytic converter and, and sell for $100 to lose your life? It's not. Officers arrived at the business around 9 a.m. after the man's body was found. According to the Chatham County Police uh, uh, Coroner, uh, authorities said the death appeared to be accidental and foul play wasn't uh, suspected. Reminded me of this famous scene from Breaking Bad. Oh, this is beautiful. Hey, someone called Jay Leno. You got the world's dumbest criminal. This guy wasn't murdered. Look, big stuff here was uh, moving this guy's body. When the uh, the stack must have shifted, crushed his arm, pinned him here, and he uh, he bled out. Poetic justice. Oh, I love it. Don't you just? Hey, hey get a photo of me with this guy, right? Oh, stumpy here. Make sure you get the stump in there. 
So the moral of the story is crime doesn't pay, and maybe you should just get a real job. And don't try the bare minimum Mondays trend. Probably not going to pay off. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. See, Carl, I got my death segment out of the way before the final segment. It's over with, so mo- no more death and Thank decay you. in the last segment of the show. <laughs> Stay tuned to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Unforgettable. That's what you are. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Unforgettable. Carl. Hey, Carl. Go near Carl. Hey, Carl. Carl. <laughs> Guess what? What? There is an awesome cafe that's opened up in the United Kingdom. As if you needed more reason to visit. Get this. Caters to otakus. That's anime fans for you uh, normies out there. Hot hot girls in lusty French maid outfits that serve you the food and provide the eye candy. Like, I'm all about this. It's supposedly the Hooters for incels. It's called the Animade Cafe, where waitresses dress in Japanese-styled eatery and wear short skirts as part of their manga-style uniform. The theme is influenced by maid cafes in Japan, where the staff dress up in maid outfits to serve customers drinks and snacks. They've They've been around since the 1990s in Japan and were inspired by dating simulation video games, where they initially catered to male nerds, and they've since become more mainstream and they're servicing the community of the United Kingdom like if you needed an extra reason to visit I guess I'm on the way these are our lightened friends across the pond uh, Joanna Harding uh, was a local councilwoman who slammed uh, the local uh, uh, establishment last month saying that it made her flesh crawl and one customer dubbed the cafe a Hooters for incels but Animade's bosses are looking for more maids as management credits the counselor's comments for an in Increase in customers. Now, this is also known as the Streisand effect. Are you aware of the Streisand effect, producer Carl? Yes. Okay, yes. can you explain it in brief? Uh, basically, when they want to shut things down, it makes it more popular. Yes. It, uh, Barbara Streisand wanted to uh, uh, take off photos of her uh, uh, residents that were taken as part of a landscape series by an obscure photographer and as a result of her copyright claims against his work ended up making the photo more famous than it otherwise would have been. So that's what's happening to this councilwoman who is complaining about the animated cafe for incels. Like, there's there's a sign on the front. You got rules for you, you got rules for operation, Carl. Just like any place. It's basically look, don't touch. This is a feast for the eyes only. It's not that kind of establishment. But otherwise, I mean, look, if you got paying customers and you got willing participants, this is fine. And honestly, if you looked up our articles showing the outfits, they are more, in fact, more modestly dressed than most of the hostesses at uh, uh, Twi- uh, 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 Hooters or Twin Peaks, for that matter. Unfortunately, that brings us to a close. I hope you, uh, uh, you've you enjoyed the show wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever you're doing. Remember that life is a state of mind. See us next week. <laughs>
guys. Thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans.